That's right, this franchise does have its moments here and there, and on January 2014, Carmelo Anthony added to his legacy by making history at Madison Square Garden. Nickish Podcast Episode 4 Solid Start. Welcome to the Nick-ish Podcast. My name is Mo. I'm with Nafi. And, you know, all we talk about are the Knicks and the NBA. So, you know, how are you doing, Nafi? How do you like the way the NBA is going so far? Not even going to ask you about my day first, bro. Like, shit. I mean, the day just started, man. We're doing this early on a Sunday morning. This is is the start of the day, so it's a great start. We're talking about the Knicks. Yeah, but not You're starting your day with me. You're starting your day with me. Sounds like a great day. How's it going? How are you feeling? You know? I mean, come on, bro. But, uh, nah, for real. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing all right. I mean, the Knicks is looking good. Just beat Dallas. That was a fun-ass game. Our, our young boys really, really showing promise. You know what I mean? Can't much, like, not much to complain about, honestly, at early on. You know, I mean, as our listeners know by now, we are tank enthusiasts. And, like, the ideal tanking scenario is these young kids play hard but, like, lose close games. I feel like we've been seeing that a lot. You know, it's not like we're going to be mad at victories, but, you know, it's it's cool to see them win. Got out a win like that on the road against, I mean, Dallas, I don't think they're a playoff squad, you know. I mean, we're, like, we're going to get into that later this episode, but, yeah, I don't think they're a playoff squad, but it was cool to uh, see us kind of whoop their ass for the most part that game. So, yeah, Knicks is looking good. NBA is still crazy as usual, but uh about you, man? How's it going? How's everything, man? I mean, everything's been good. We'll be recording these podcasts and all. Um, catching the Knicks game, every game that they play. And, yeah, no, you 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 said it perfectly. We're we're cool with, with the losses. We're happy with victories. But we're, we're okay with either one as long as the team plays hard, which they have been. Uh, every, every single player pretty much has a positive about them right now. Um, <clears throat> although there are some negatives, but... Um, overall, for for the start of the season, it's it's pretty good. It's it's pretty much what we've wanted. Uh, so you know, you and I want to do our key takeaways for what's been going on so far the last week and a half uh, for the Knicks. So why don't you start us off then? Uh, all right, sure. I mean, key takeaway for me is on honestly just like the continuing 
good play of uh, Dame Dotson. And um, I just want to speak to the larger point of, like, expectation. Because I've been noticing with Knicks fans, especially just, like, like Knicks analysts before the summer, they were really down on Dotson just because he wasn't showing out at preseason or summer league. But, like, his entire skill set, his game, being that 3 and D dude that plays hard on D, rebounds the shit out of the ball, can shoot, lights out, you know what I mean, on the catch and shoot. Like, that's all, like, conducive to a good in-game basketball player. Not, like, the summer league, which is, like, a glorified scrimmage in preseason, which is, like, fucking dress for her. So, you know what I mean? So, like, Dotson with, like, that Knox injury, he's he's been, like, eating on his opportunities, basically. You know what I mean? Like, he's coming in, doing exactly what he needs to do, and he's just playing lights out. Like, uh, like I'm really proud of, like, the way he's playing and just the fact that, like, he's... You know, like a lot. Whenever people mention like our young players, our young cores, they never really mention them. Even though he was literally drafted the same year as, as uh, Frank. You know what I mean? He was a second round pick, and he's showing out right now. So I mean, that's my key takeaway. It's like him seeing Dotson like just flourish, especially under a good coach. Because fucking Hornacek hated playing Dotson last year. It was so obvious too. He playing Ron Baker way more. I think that's just. That's just that uh, preconceived uh, bias towards the hard-working white dude. But that's neither here nor there with Hornacek. But, yeah, that's my key takeaway. One of my key takeaways so far right now is just seeing Dawson do what he's doing, looking like a keeper, you know what I mean? Nice, like, 3 and D, like our version of Danny Green, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, you've been... If, you... if he keeps it up, that's he's a steal. Yeah, yeah, you've been high on Dawson since since last year, not to cut you off. But, you know, I remember when he was playing garbage minutes... Um, you know, I was telling you, I'm like, yo, we need some more athletic guys on the team who can do it all. And you're like, dude, we got Dotson. Uh, Hornacek just isn't playing him. So, you know, I remember you were, you were high oh, on him yeah. last year. Yeah. Who was that player from I the Bulls? I, I remember, I remember it was a Knicks Bulls game when we when I brought this up to you. I forgot the I forgot the Bulls player, but he was killing the Knicks. What was it was it um was it on the Bulls last year or this year? Last year, last year. There's, there's one player, I think there were two games where he just, you know, went off on the Knicks and he just had a lot of athletic plays. I'm like, yo, we need a guy like this on our team. Oh, well, I mean, the name will come by, but... Like the Bulls signed Justin Holiday. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they signed Justin Holiday, which we had. No, nah, it wasn't Holiday. No, no, no. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't a Knicks player. He was, I don't, I don't know, he was some Bulls player from last year, very athletic, you know, went off on the Knicks. But, no, I totally agree. I'm happy oh, with... Was it on? What's his name? Nawaba. David David Nawaba. Do you remember him? Well, I think that was him. What yeah. Name? Yeah, he was killing us last year. Nawaba, yeah. And you're like, Nwaba. yo, we got him. So David we see him to play. Which he is now. So, you know, his three point shot looks nice. He has good form. He's playing defense. <laughs> he has an actual coach who who's, you know, looking to really develop all of his players. But yeah, I mean I wanna I wanna talk about another player for all the casual fans. If you don't know the name, know the name Mitchell Robinson, man. He's he has been great so far. Um, they're playing today against the Wizards. I think that's gonna be his fifth straight start. He is coming off his first double double. He scored 13 points, grabbed 10 rebounds, and he's gonna go one on one against you know formerly known as Superman, but Dwight Howard. So I'm hoping he just dunks on Howard. How you feel? How you feel about Robinson? Yo, young boy, money making Mitch, dog. That's goddamn. Like, we really drafting well now. Knock on fucking wood. That's another second round pick of ours, but 
he's he's been looking like a steal to summer league, and it's just it's wild to see him play this well and this much this early. Because I remember you probably remember too before the summer, Fizdo was saying like, yo, he might get like uh, a lot of time in the G League. Yeah, you know what I mean, just to develop and get some playing time because he didn't like picture him like coming in early and playing because. Last year, he didn't even play organized ball. He was just like, he sat out college basketball to just train for the draft. So he wasn't even playing like five on five or even one on one. You know what I mean? Like, he was just like literally doing skill work and training. So, so like right now, he's our starting center, which is wild. He's 20 years old. You know what I mean? Hasn't played organized ball in like almost two years. And just like, I even looked it up. It was like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. I think like October 20th. It was like Fizzo saying, like, oh, we might need to send him to the G League soon. Like now, Fizzo's saying like you know we were we were on that path, but you saw how promising he's looking in the limited playing time. We just got to throw him out there because he sees Robinson as a foundation, as a center, and the foundation for our future defense, which is kind of wild to say about a second round pick. But yeah, I mean, like I said over the summer, he 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 looks like like not I mean just a that's a really go on of a huge ramp, but like he really does look like DeAndre Jordan, you know what I mean, like a young version of him. Yeah. Just seeing him play against the Mavs and hold his own against like the fully formed DeAndre Jordan, like, is wild. Like he just needs to continue to grow, you know what I mean? Honestly, fill out, put pack on some muscle, but it's crazy how athletic he is. And just that alley-oop that night was insane, dog. Yeah, and like, he was playing against DeAndre Jordan, no less. Yeah, did you see that alley-oop, man? It was oh, like he was yeah, like, the 180. his body in the air just to like, yeah, like that's a seven-foot-tall big man doing that, you know what I mean? Like with that range of motion up in the air, you know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Put that one man in the tall. dunk contest. Yo, I think well, I think Fizzo said you put him in the dunk contest, he might actually fucking win that shit. Hell yeah. Big man aren't supposed to be doing that, you know what I mean? Like, yo, that's crazy. You know who's like, happy? a hell of a draft. You know who else is happy about Mitchell Robinson? Ennis Canter. Ennis Canter is so happy right now. Man, that selfish prick. He probably mad as hell. <laughs> he's sitting on the bench watching the 180. He's like, damn. He's gonna try it out yeah, next he, game. He can't do that. He can't. Probably thinking. Uh huh. Fall, fall like on his ass like Andre Bargnani years ago. Uh, Try to do like that half court. Broke his elbow. Was out for the season. Him. I mean, shit, if, if Cannon want to, wants to do that, by all means, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yo, I mean, just building off your takeaway from Mitch, like, I, I do like that uh, Fizdale's bringing Sheed in, Rasheed Wallace, the legendary icon, you know what I mean? Yeah. And to mentor Sheed. Like, you, you see it already. Mitch is, like, started rocking the headband once he started getting with Sheed. So, pay respects, pay homage to the great one, you know what I mean? So, I feel like that's the biggest thing with Mitch. He's just like, kind of like out there. he's like a like a, like a baby deer you know what I mean he's like he's getting his legs under him he just needs like, like that confidence and like aggressiveness and like Sheed is the best person to kind of instill that in him you know what I mean so I mean just going off that takeaway we talk about like our like where I was talking about like our, our draft like Trier Lonzo Trier but he went off in that Mavs game you know it's crazy how good he's playing so far for an undrafted kid you know what I mean yeah, I mean he. Uh, in the second half, he scored 19 out of his 23 points. He only missed two shots. He was eight for 10. He's you know playing very efficiently some games. Um, but no, absolutely, man. He's looking like a huge yeah, steal for right. us. His nickname is ISO. Is, yeah, his name is nickname is ISO Zo. And then I saw a tweet from a reporter at the game that was sitting mad close to like the Knicks bench, and he was saying how like as when in the fourth quarter I think when uh where Trier was like ISOing the Mavs defenders. 
Fizdale was like literally right in his ear, yelling from the sidelines, "Yo, anything you want, anything you want." You know what I mean? Like as in like pushing him, you know what I mean, encouraging him, and then Trier would just like keep getting buckets. And that's a fucking sign of a good coach, you know? Not like pigeonholing him into any kind of role, kind of emphasizing his player's strengths. And think about like the thing I like about Trier is he's not like isoing selfishly. You know what I mean? He'll get the ball, kind of dribble for a little bit, see if he can take the dude off the dribble. But if he can't, he'll pass it or like take a shot. You know what I mean? Like a good quick shot. He's not like he's selfish with it. He's just like he's a smart ISO player. Yeah. You know? And his defense is pretty solid too. Yeah, no doubt. No, no fucking doubt. I mean, you got Fizzle teaching him and coaching him up. So, yo, like we had a hell of a draft. Like once Knox comes back, you know what I mean? Like I can't wait to see him get in the fold because like these young kids are really, really picking it up. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, we also struggle with Fizdale, man. I want to I wanna talk about another player who's really doing well for himself, I think, as a result of Fizdale being his coach, and that's Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, who is currently averaging 25 points a game, three rebounds, three assists, and he's shooting efficiently. He's, he's you know, he's averaging 40% from the threes, making almost four threes a game. Um, his defense isn't so good right now. Uh, while he is scoring a lot of points, which we're really happy to see, his defense could be a little better, but, you know, that's just... That's just as a result of him carrying the load on offense a lot of games, um, which is okay. But, you know, back to the point about Fizdale being his coach, he's forcing him to, to guard the good players, the better players in on the yep. teams. Even though he knows that Tim Hardaway probably can't keep up with them, he's forcing him to do it. So Tim learns and just naturally just becomes a better defender. So he'll learn from his mistakes, which, you know, is amazing for a coach to do. Yeah, he's like, yo, I haven't been so pleased with Fizzo so far, because, like, this is probably a couple weeks back, but when, like, Hardaway got cooked on that game-winning layup by LeVert, he was saying he could, Fizzo was saying after the game, he could have just as easily put Frank, our best defender by far, on LeVert to make sure we win that game, but this year isn't just about winning games, it's about, like, developing good habits for these young kids. He made a good point, like, yo, Tim Hardaway, Tim spent that entire game going toe-to-toe with LeVert, you know what I mean? So it would it would wreck his confidence to, like, have him take him off you know, take him off LaVert at the, in that last crucial moment and put Frank on, you know what I mean? A kid that's, like, five years younger than him, he's mm-hmm. not going to learn that way, you know? I mean, it's it's still really possible. I know he's 26 right now, but it's still mad possible for him to still get better at defense, and I think that's what Fizzo's trying to do, you know? And just to go off that, he's, like, it's crazy how good he's playing right now. I mean, I think, look, I got the numbers right here in front of me. He His true shooting percentage is, like, the it's like better than the field goal percentage because it accounts for like how three-point shots are worth more, you know what I mean? Just, he's having the highest three, two, true shooting percentage of his career. He's getting to the free throw line more than he ever did. He has a higher assist percentage than ever in his career, you know what I mean? Like, he's, like, Tim's literally just filling in as a number one option because KP's gone and he's doing it really well, you know? Like, and once that like, KP's in, he settles into that number two option slash number three option role, like, like, I'm proud of how he's playing, and like to your point though, his defense is ass. You know, I mean, what can you really expect? But if he can become solid on that end, we don't really got much to complain about. You know, right. So it's your turn for a takeaway. Timmy was mine. What else you got? I mean, what, what, how many takeaways we got right now? Like three. You know, I don't know. I haven't been counting. I mean, I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned Dawson and Trier, but. I mean, this isn't really a takeaway. I guess it's more like a commentary. So, like, going back to that Mavs game, I mean, we saw, I mean, you look at the numbers, you saw Dennis Smith had 23 points, 
and you know before the draft, before that draft, I wanted Dennis Smith crazy bad, you know. You know, we passed him, we passed on for Frank. And, um, I mean, you look at the box score, Smith, he had a 23 points, but he had really nothing else otherwise. But then you look at Frank, he's got steals, blocks, rebounds, assists, you know what I mean? And we know in the game he's going to play that tight key. So I feel like for our franchise, we made the right pick. You know, that's my takeaway. It's just like that continued confidence in Frank, you know, like, no, absolutely. There, there will be some regret every now and then just seeing Smith play. Yeah. You know? But, you know. I mean, we're kind of developing Frank, or at least, you know, the Knicks are developing Frank kind of a reverse way. Um, typically, you know, for high lottery picks, you want to choose an offensive superstar who can eventually learn how to play defense or a player who can do both off the bat. But it's not common at all to find or draft a lottery pick that's really, really good, elite almost, on defense and just teach him how to be more aggressive on offense. And it's a little different and something that we need to be patient for, but I'm not complaining at all. If he plays elite defense and wants to make the occasional bucket and be a little bit more aggressive, that's perfect for me. Especially if we have guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. who are, you know, shooting, who's shooting three pointers left and right, but he's making them out of efficient right. When KP comes back, he's going to be shooting three. Same with Kevin Knox. Uh, you know, I've, I've made this point in an earlier episode, but, you know, Frank doesn't need to carry too much load on offense, but he needs to carry, he needs to be basically the defensive leader. Uh, of the team um but yeah <clears throat> yeah and like to that point he's the perfect puzzle piece to put in any lineup you know what I mean and like not to cut you off but that's basically what it is like it, whoever you put him around him Frank will fit in like almost seamlessly and I think that's the kind of kind of player they're trying to develop him into you know Fizzo yeah. said how like they played him at small forward early because he wanted Frank to get a different view of like the court you know what I mean not to put too much pressure on himself to like uh, set everybody else up, you know what I mean? He wanted to like see how Frank would do without the ball in his hands. And now it's just like he's thriving as a point guard once they put him back in that lineup. So Absolutely. I really do feel you on that. The core is solid for the Knicks. And, you know, it's all we all point to twenty nineteen as a pivotal year for us, but you know, it personally I feel like if we strike out with Kevin Durant or Kyrie or Jimmy Butler in 2019, I feel like it's okay because we have a core solid, a solid core. Excuse me. And I was looking at the 2020 free agents, and they have some pretty good. You know, they have some pretty good guys. Uh, we don't really know what's gonna happen with the three aforementioned names. They might be a free agent again in 2020, but you know, Draymond's an unrestricted free agent in 2020. Middleton, Juice Randall, Marcus all like they're not. You know, top tier players, but with the core that we have and Chris Hasperzin is coming back, who. You know he's gonna improve himself uh, under under um, David Fisdale. He's gonna play under a really good coach, so we might see a different level of Kristaps uh, Porzingis. You know what I mean? So if we if we strike, obviously I you know I don't I just my point is we don't have to go all in on 2019 the way we had to go all in in 2010 for LeBron James. Uh, do you agree or do you disagree? Right. What do you think? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Because, I mean, that's the thing our front office has been saying for, like, the past two years, right? It's just, like, they're not all in on shortcuts no more, you know what I mean? Like, they're building that foundation slowly but surely, and, like, we're seeing the results so far. Like, yeah, we're not, like, blowing the doors off, like, the league right now, but, like, we've seen – we're the youngest team in the league, and we're, in, we're playing competitive every night. I feel like there's only been one game where we got blown out, you know? Like, and we're seeing these kids, like, show skills that, like, that they're gradually improving, you know? So, like – most definitely, like, we're not all in on 2019, but hey, what it depends on what happens in 2019 before we look forward to 2020, you know what I mean? Like, because I know KP is getting signed no matter what this summer, 
regardless of who we get, I feel like we're going to give him that big offer. So it's, it's just a matter of who else is coming this summer. And, um, I mean, obviously we talked about he who shall not be named, reigning finals MVP. And then we got uh, Kyrie Irving, you know, the Boston Celtics uh, loyalist, apparently, because, you know, he came out recently and said he sees himself being there forever. He doesn't want to leave. So, I mean, I guess we'll take him at his word for now. But let's say, um, since you brought up the topic of free agency, let's say next summer we kind of strike out on uh, on those two big fish. Do you got any anybody in mind that you'd want to target as like that, that max free agent to bring in for our young core? Uh, I gotta, I gotta look at the list again. Um, let me, give me a second, let me just take this, uh, take a second to look at the list. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, looking at the list, if we strike out on those two or three players that we mentioned, Clay Thompson, uh, he's definitely ready to be a number one guy. You know, obviously he's cool with being a splash brother, but how much longer does a player want to be a splash brother for and not be, you know, a leader of a team and be able to score 52 points more often instead of having to trade the spotlight with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry every other night. You know, I know they're rotating, they're having their fun, but, you know, these guys sometimes want the spotlight for just for themselves. Um, so Clay Thompson, maybe. Tobias Harris has had been has been having a pretty good year so far. He's a good scorer. Um, I wouldn't want DeAndre Jordan. He's on, he's, you know, he's getting a little older. Uh, Nikola Meritich um, has been Ooh, playing really, really well. And he is due for a big payday. He's 28 right now, so he might be able to get a three or four year contract, get pretty good money from it. Um, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins is going to be unrestricted. We, we're just going to have to see how he plays. But, you know, those are some of the names that that I see for for 2019 I mean, draft. I, I mean, the reason I ask is just, like, I know we've been focused on those big fish, right? But, like, you know, like, with the Knicks, nothing is ever guaranteed. And, like, there's also that high probability we strike out, you know? And, like, that's just the sobering reality of the Knicks fan. Expectation is just expectation mostly, you know what I mean? So, how, I mean, there's that homecoming storyline if we were to get Kyrie, right? Because, like, he's from Jersey. And, like, we were originally on his list to get traded to last summer. You know what I mean? But, you know, I feel like people are sleeping on the other homecoming. You know, the Bronx-born Kemba Walker. You know what I mean? The UConn hero. How you feel about if we were to get him, put, sign him, make him our, like, our starting point guard as a number two option to uh, KP, you know? How you feel? Uh, I mean, we, we got Frank, but he doesn't need to be point guard. I'd be happy with Kemba Walker. He's 29, but I'm also, he yeah. plays very athletic. Um, we don't know how his, if he's going to continue to play at this level for, for more years. He's 29 years old, and he, he does have a good three-point shot, I believe. Um, but I I wouldn't put him way up there. I wouldn't be too high on him, just, just from age and just style of play. Uh, mm. It seems like you'd be interested in signing him a max contract. And I have a follow-up question yeah, for that I mean, after, after you answer this one. I feel like a max contract is just, like, a given with a lot of these guys. Like, like Clay, Jimmy, Kawhi. Um, and then, like, obviously, Kemba's not on their level, but he's still, like, an all-star point guard. So, like, the conversation's going to have to start with a max contract. And, like, the key, like you mentioned, is just, like, given his age, he's 29. The key is going to be how long that contract's going to be. 
So I, I feel good giving like a three-year max deal to Kemba. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like, like it's not super long, and like we could even do like a player option on that third year. So in case he wants to opt out after two years to get another payday for himself, that that helps us as well. So like, I'm just thinking how like you know the whole getting Kyrie in here, Frank's gonna have to like move off the ball anyway. So I think it's the same concept with Kemba. He's like a beast in that pick and roll. Um, great uh, attack in the rim. Got a nice uh, jumper, especially that step back. I feel like like KP's never played with a point guard like that, you know? Like, we have, like, a bootleg version of him in Trey Burke, but, like, he's, like I said, he's a bootleg version. So, I mean, I'll, I'll fuck with having Kemba. I mean, if we strike out on KD and Kyrie, obviously, like, we got to move on to the next tier. I mean, I, I mean, I would have I, I would have think Jimmy Butler would want to come here, and I don't even think, like, I, I, I'd want him, honestly, over Kemba just because – you know, he's every, everywhere he's been, he's been a locker room problem. You know what I mean? Like, and I fuck with his game a lot. He's a great ass fucking player, but I, I don't know if I want to bring him into the into this kind of culture. If he's got a problem with playing with them young boys, Cat and Wiggins, like our whole team's young. You know what I mean? He's gonna hate the whole locker room. So, um, but yeah, what was your question? Uh, the needles. It was. I mean, I don't know if it makes too much sense, but if would you sign Clay and like? Kemba, if you know that in 2020, Kyrie and Katie will still be available, they decided to sign one-year contracts instead of three, four-year contracts. I, I I would go for it just because Kemba and Clay are really good, and there's no guarantee um, to get Katie or Kyrie the following year. But a, a squad with Kemba, Clay, Kristaps, and Kevin Knox—that's four Ks—and you know Frank. Uh, that's a that's a great lineup that could be title contenders. But would you would you and if I, I don't I don't know the salary cap off the top of my head, but if if whatever if for whatever reason we can't afford KD and Kyrie the following year, uh, would you just sign Clay and come more players of that caliber for max contracts? Um, I mean that that that's a loaded ass question because like it seems a lot of things. Like I mean I could see KD taking another one year deal, um, maybe. I mean, maybe not with Golden State, but maybe with the next team. But uh, Kyrie, I feel like he's definitely gonna take that long-term deal from Boston, because that's that's basically what he said. Um, why, like, when they asked him, the reporter asked him why he didn't sign an extension yet with Boston, he just said it doesn't make financial sense to make a to sign a long-term deal right now as opposed to next summer. So I don't see Kyrie passing up that deal. But if if he does, if him and KD are available in 2020, I mean. If Clay Thompson says like, "Yo, I want to sign with the Knicks this summer," like we're gonna sign him. You know what I mean, beggars can't be choosers, right? But um, I don't think we can sign both Kemba and Clay. I think that's like we we're gonna have to literally strip our roster down, get rid of Timmy, get rid of Lee, get rid of everybody except like the young core. You know what I mean? I don't think it'd be, that's even possible. But uh, no, I mean we were considering signing. I mean the Knicks were considering making enough cap space for Kevin Durant and another top player, weren't they? They were trying to. I think they would just have to get rid of um, Lee and Tim Hardaway, and Canner's going to come off the books. I think they were oh, capable. No, no, no. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like, nah, it's, uh, they were, they, they were, like, the plan is to get rid of Lee, and then the plan is to have enough space for one of those guys. I think KD's like, first year, um, the next contract he signs, it's going to be something crazy, like 37 mil or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that rest of that cap space is going to have to go to us um, signing KP. And, uh, so I don't think we, it's like, I definitely don't think we got enough to sign two max stars. Brooklyn definitely is going to have that much money next summer, but not us. Okay. Nobody wants to go to Brooklyn. Fuck Brooklyn. You're playing well. 
where finally people actually know their players now. So yeah, props to Brooklyn. Uh-huh. Props to Brooklyn. They've been they've been they've somehow come out of the basement and they are uh-huh. kind of doing okay. Karis Levert's nice. Jared Allen is nice. Right. Right, they're they're the special kid in the class that actually knows how to say his ABCs now. So people are just like, oh, that's adorable. Even though they got the same record as the Knicks, like for all their shit talk and what and bravado, fuck the Nets, you know. But uh, yeah, let's let's go back to the Knicks. It's the team we actually care about. The team the, the city of New York actually cares about. You got any more takeaways or not? Nah, no. Nah. Uh, we can take a break right now. Uh, we're from our sponsors. Did we get a sponsor? What the hell's going on here? No, no. We're we're uh we're still waiting actually. Oh. So uh now yeah. we just look foolish. Yeah. We just look foolish now. Yeah, I'm hoping someone oh, feels help. guilty come, enough come to fun. throw us a couple of dollars. Somebody feels enough pity you just, you know, come here, you know, we'll we'll say we'll we'll hawk whatever product you're selling. Just come sponsor us. Please. I have a family to feed. All right, and back to the show. Yeah. All right, so what we're going to talk about the NBA a little bit, um, about what's mm-hmm. been going on. Uh, there are a lot of teams that are playing really shitty right now. The Cavs fired Tyron Lue. I don't think they have a head coach yet, right? Some shit's going on down there. They Their, their, head co- their assistant head coach doesn't want drama. to be head coach or something like that. He said he don't want to take the interim job unless he gets like a full multi-year commitment from him, which is a power move, and I respect it to many levels. Go get your bag. You know what I mean? Like, if Dan Gilbert wants to hire me for an interim role, you better be willing to pay me for the next couple of years. So, I respect it 100%. But yeah, they're a shit show. Did you see the, um, some Cavs reporter actually put out a report today seeing how like um, the Cavs veterans or whatever in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're going to say. Colin Sexton. <laughs> like, he can't they're play. All just like, this, this son of a bitch can't play. He smells. He's terrible. He doesn't even know what a basketball looks like. What, what is he doing on this team? I mean, That's I know nah, they didn't say all that, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of harsh. He's, he's 19 years old and he hasn't played 10 games yet, but uh, what do I know? I don't play in the NBA. These, these vets, obviously, were expecting much different, but um, yeah, the Cavs are a shit show. The Wizards are probably a bigger shit show, if that's even possible. Well, I mean, Love is out for... What's going over there? Well, Kevin Love is also out for six weeks, so it sucks. Uh, the Cavs are going to be really bad, and the Wizards, like you said, are really bad right now. I feel like they're going to improve, but we're kind of competing with the Cavs now for the worst team uh, in the East right now. They're, they're just really, really bad, and if Love doesn't... They might want to rebuild and start from scratch, and they might... I, I feel like they're going to try to trade away their more their more expensive players like Love. Uh, but the Wizards, I don't know what's going on there. You live in Virginia. Oh, yeah. You tell me. You tell me what's going what's going on with, with D.C. They stink. That's what's going on. They all petty and hate each other, apparently. So that's funny. Like, that, you know, let's, let's rewind back to the summer. Last year, the Wizards had so many locker room issues and shit. So what do they do in the summer? They go get Austin Rivers who apparently everybody in the NBA hates because he's an entitled prick. Then they get Dwight Howard, who has been on like 18 different teams in the last six seasons. Speaking so like, of entitled pricks. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like you got a locker room issue, just, just put some locker room cancer in there, just one or two locker locker room cancers in there. 
you know, just flush out all the the bacteria, I guess, if that that's their thinking. I mean, I don't know. I think the Wizards just, at this point, you know, if they can't come together, they gotta trade either Wall or Beal, and I can't see them trading Wall. I can definitely see them trading Beal to like a desperate team. You know what I mean? Like, you, I could definitely see a team like the Pelicans trying to go all in and try to get whatever, do whatever they can to get Beal. You know what I mean? I feel like the Wizards would want to trade him out of conference, but that's, that's that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah, the Wizards are, are a shit show. Uh, Cavs are a shit show. But um, you hear what happened with uh, Magic and the Lakers? Yeah, yeah, the Lakers just haven't been winning too many games as expected. I think what I, I don't know what their record is. They won one or two games, but yeah, they're Magic. Four and five, I think. Uh, what's that? I think they're four and five right oh, now. Oh, yeah? Okay. Lakers, yeah, wrong about that. But yeah. definitely underperforming. And, yeah, you're right, Magic Johnson, their GM, or is he president? One or the other. Uh, talked to He's Luke Walton. and Yeah, he behind the scenes, he talked to Luke Walton, and somehow you and I are talking about it right now. So goes to show nothing is actually behind the scenes in the NBA. Everybody just finds out everything. Yeah, Woj knows all. Because I read that report, apparently, like, Woj's uh, wording was uh, Magic has uh, has built a reputation for having a volatile management style, aka he's a prick and, a, and an asshole. Apparently, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a gentle way of saying somebody's a piece of shit. You know, so apparently that's how Magic runs things behind the scenes in the Lakers. And I don't know what the fuck he expected, yo. I mean, yeah, you got LeBron, but you got like a whole bunch of young kids and a bunch of washed up veterans. And, like, it's not like they're playing, like, ass. They've been in every game so far. And, like, this is all pretty much expected. Like, there's going to be growing pains. Like, anytime LeBron goes to a new squad, his first maybe 20 games, in Miami and and the second time back to Cleveland, the first 20 games are basically spent trying to, like, get used to the whole team. You know what I mean? So, like, I I feel like Magic's being a prick. And if they fire Luke Walton, like, this season or even after the season, I feel like that will be a mistake. Like, I think he's he's a really good coach. And... Like just off last year, they was like they were like the youngest team in the league. They won thirty five games, and their defense was like almost top ten. I think you know what I mean. Yeah, it's rare to get a young team to play defense like that, especially out west. So I don't know, it'd be a mistake to let them go. But I'm just glad, like of all this drama that's going on in the league, the the Knicks ain't in the headlines for that. Yo, knock shit, on you know? wood for that one. Knock on wood, hell yeah! Like that's exactly the second. You just messed up. I'm kind of mad that you said that now. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, we were all thinking it. So, uh, I mean, don't, yo, don't put oh, this evil man. on me. Don't put that evil on me. Some shit's going to happen now. Some shit's, KP's going to want to be out. He's going to want out. Uh-huh. I feel it coming. Yeah, yeah. J- Jim shit. Dolan's ears just perked up. He's like, you know what? I have a crazy <laughs> desire to trade Prisingus right now for some reason. And tomorrow, you know, KP's a Celtic or some shit. Fuck, you right. I fucked this. My fault. Hand up. My fault. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all, right, all right, we got to change the subject before we dwell on it too much. But, you know, the Lakers, uh, Magic Johnson probably shits on them with the big-ass smile that he has. But, you know, he's new to the management position. He probably thinks he's doing the right thing. But, you know, Luke Wallen did lead the Golden State Warriors to that record-breaking win when Steve Kerr was out, you know, a few years ago. So we can't forget that Luke Wallen is legit, uh, even if he wasn't as a player. Exactly, you, yeah. Um. But the other team, or another team in California, are the Kings, the Sacramento Kings. They are known as probably <laughs> the worst, best, best at being the worst team in the NBA. But somehow 
there's light at the end of the tunnel for, for the Kings. Yo, I'm just laughing at your transition. There's another team in California, geographically speaking. Let us talk to them. Talk about them right now. Tra- right. Yeah, transition game on point, <laughs> but, right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, yeah, yeah, King. Yo, they're playing pretty good. You know, I mean, I've I've probably watched like maybe one or two games of theirs, but I saw I like what I saw. Like the Iron Fox is literally like running the show there on offense, you know, and like a low key good pickup for them was um. That European player they got from the Wolves, uh, Bielitsa or whatever, it's like a stretch four. Like they never had that last year, right? So like they got somebody like a, like a, like a stretch big man that can shoot the three and like space the court. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like Fox's whole game is around the pick and roll and attacking the basket. It's a lot easier to attack the basket when you got shooters around you. Um, Willie Cauley Stein, who I know I liked before that draft, before the 2015 draft, he's yeah. finally like looking like a really solid player now. Contract year. Pick and roll, blocking shots and shit. Yeah, but it's also just like sometimes it takes that urgency to like for the players like light bulb to go on. You know what I mean? Like to be honest, the Kings been a shit show. They were basically the Knicks of the West for the last fifteen years, and they probably still are. So like, they're kind of in the same boat as us, where they got that these young kids looking really promising and playing really well. So I mean, Fox is like their guy. Um, Bagley's apparently been looking really good. I saw the article, this article on the Ringer about how like. The Kings are like just playing all right, but for them that's a huge step up. You know what I mean? It's a positive sign when you're you're one of the youngest teams in the league and you're playing all right. You know what I mean? So I, I like what's going on over there. But um, I mean we were on that whole theme of drama and whatnot, and I think we gotta we gotta talk about the Minnesota situation. You, you been keeping up with that? Uh, you're talking about Jane Butler? Yeah. No, you you know a lot more about it. Um, you're breaking down for me the other day, so. What's going on with Jimmy Butler now? He is playing whenever he wants, right? Basically, which is like a flex. Like, shit, I wish I could do that for work. But um, I think, uh, you know, the reporter Shams, he tweeted out something like maybe like a week ago, saying how like Jimmy is uh, prepared to sit out the next like six weeks until he gets traded. Yeah. But then like Jimmy comes out and disputes it, and he's like, basically says like, yo, if I'm feeling sore, I'll, I'm not going to play. But like, if I feel like playing, I'll play. You know what I mean? Like, so it's basically like he confirmed the report. Like, he'll sit out whenever he wants, basically. And I think he's doing it to prove a point about how valuable he is to the Timberwolves, but also just, like, this is, like, a contract year for him. He's trying to go to a new squad, be it now or in free agency. So he's trying to preserve his body, you know? So, I don't know. It's funny as hell. It's really funny. Like, the fact that, like, over the summer he bitched out that entire roster and then, like, now he's still there. And in fact, he's the main reason they even win games still. It's like, I mean, we're both big fans of Cat, but that's not a good look for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know why they still haven't traded him. I don't know what the delay is. I mean, the Rockets offered a really good, you know, deal for him. And Timberwolves didn't pull the trigger, I guess. <clears throat> but, you know, also on, yeah, another news but... for the T-Wolves, Derek Rose had that 50-point game. Uh... I know you have some interesting thoughts on that that you might or might not want to talk about. Uh, you want to talk about it or no? Nah, I'm going to just say um, if the people are listening to it, just go look up what Rachel Nichols said about that. And that's about that. But um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, a lot of shit going on in the league. Knicks is playing well. I mean, it's relatively for a new team, so... Mitch, you want to put a bow on this episode and uh, wrap it up? 
Yeah, yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, this was episode four of the Nickish podcast. We do want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, this is you know really amazing experience for you and me. Um, I'm having a great time recording it. We are now on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud, and we're working on a website that should be up soon. And yeah, keep listening. Subscribe. Follow us on Instagram. That's Nick underscore Ish. And yeah, thank you again.